0: I went inside the bathroom and I wrote on the bathroom door, you know, you're sitting on the toilet and you oh, yeah. look at the door and it was like, I love Denise Miles. And I knew that it was taboo. Hmm. Um, but I knew that every single girl would be sitting on that toilet and be able to see that and go, wow, somebody's declared their love, romantic love.
1: And this is my canvas as an <laughs> eight <laughs> yeah. or nine year old. Yeah. There was no social media. <laughs> we no. wrote things on walls. <laughs> Ha ha ha! And this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer people make a big ol' fuss about saying goodbye and then all turn and walk in the exact same direction. Sound familiar? Maybe because I just did that with my own podcast. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. I know, I know, I just did a whole big season 2 finale of You Made Me Queer, goodbye, and toddled off into the sunset as I am wont to do, and I'm back, but I have a very good reason and soon I'm to let you know, this is a bonus episode on season 2 because I love you, you're my finest creation, and I don't say that to all my children, but uh, with you there's something different, and so I wanted to give you a special gift. I had an opportunity to interview someone uh, fantastic, someone fantastic, full stop, and I took it. And you can hold that against me, or you can just let it wash over you like the cold mist of an early spring hose leak. I'm recording this after my buddy's show. Thank you so much to everyone who came. What a sweet joy that was. Uh, My guests, of course, J.P. LaRock, Tamara Shevin, and Bombay were Atrociously angry and I was thrilled about it and we had a packed house, which was so great It's so nice to be doing things with people. There were so many takeaways from the evening My biggest one was I relied too much on paper mache. It's a crutch and It should be a starting place paper mache is a jumping-off point into a bigger creation of new media maybe plaster of Paris who knows as long as it's cheap and I can make it from garbage. But enough about my star turn at the Buddies in Bad Times Queer Pride Festival. Let's move on to today's episode. My guest is Suk Yin Lee. Yes, oh, Canadian icon Suk Yin Lee, multi hyphen it to the extreme Suk Yin Lee. Oh, you mean the person that the Globe and Mail called a one-woman media arts convergence? Yes, that's correct. There's just one Sukian Lee, so I'd appreciate if you don't ask me stupid questions, but let's dive in to Sukyan's bio. Sookin Lee is a Canadian filmmaker, musician, actor, multimedia artist, and award-winning radio and TV broadcaster. She's worked for CBC Radio and TV, BBC Much Music. I was raised on Sookin Lee on Much Music. She was the cool kid. After starring in John Cameron Mitchell's groundbreaking LGBTQ movie Short Bus, which premiered at Cannes Film Festival, Lee, that was atrocious. Lee made her feature film writer and directorial debut at TIFF with Year of the Carnivore starring Kristen Migliotti. She'd, of course, previously worked with John Cameron Mitchell for a very small but memorable part in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is one of my all-time favorite films in 2014 Sukin won the canadian screen award for best performance by a Lead dramatic actress for her role as the fantastic olivia chow in jack the biopic about the late and wonderful jack layton Sukin went on to write and star in unsafe at canadian stage her work has been presented by ottawa art gallery art gallery of ontario toronto dance theater and festival of new dance So is also, again, multi-hyphenate, one-woman media convergence, also a film score composer and solo recording artist. Her bands include First Project Bob's Your Uncle, Juge, co-led with Adam Litowitz, and most recently Lee & Gamble Unlimited. Talking to Sukin was just wonderful, truly a force. I'm sad this is a podcast because so much of Sukin's communication is in her face and her body language, an energy that transcends TV, obviously, uh, film, stage, just a special visceral person that it was a thrill to speak to. One really quick note, Sukin talks about an upcoming screening of Short Bus at the TIFF Bell Lightbox, and she says, Friday, June 18th. It is June 18th. That is, in fact, a Saturday. You should go. You should be there. You should absolutely buy a ticket because suk will be there doing a Q&A with Inside Out Director of Programming, Andrew Murphy, so you can buy tickets. The screening will be at 7.30 at the TIFF Bell Lightbox in Toronto. Do not miss it. It is going to be shown in 4K. And if you've seen Short Bus or if you know about Short Bus, those are the kind of scenes that demand 4K. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. So, you're gonna go buy a ticket, but first, you're gonna sit tight, you're gonna strap on that little seatbelt, if indeed you are in a moving vehicle, and uh, you're hopefully going to enjoy my conversation with the iconic starburst of a human being, Suk Yin Lee. You
0: made me queer.
1: Uh Okay, so now I'm recording. It's
0: okay sounding?
1: Yeah, I can hear you beautifully. We're, okay, we're great. rocking.
0: That's amazing. Bye.
1: What's happening? What's this situation? What are you wearing?
0: Well, it's just like, a. I mean, it's, it, I've been going through like an intergalactic period, um, mm-hmm. but also I have an infection in my eye. It's intergalactic oh. <laughs> with a purpose. Okay. So I have an infection in my eye and I find that when my hair goes into my eyes, yeah. it bugs me. I rub it, which makes it even worse. Oh, yeah.
1: I can't relate, but I, I f- hear you.
0: But you have no hair.
1: I don't have any hair. So you
0: don't have to worry about that.
1: It never goes in my eyes.
0: Fantastic.
1: I know. We need to get you like one of those cat cones.
0: Oh, you mean a collar? The Elizabethan collar?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's what we need. Should I order one for you? Oh, God, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do really like those though. Yeah, the problem with not having hair, I mean, because I'm fine with the mortality aspect of it. But anytime I bump my head on anything and I'm tall, so I have bumps all over my head. Oh, no. I know. The hair can't hide anything.
0: That's just going to happen more and more and more. Yeah. You know, as we get older. Yeah. It's like bumps everywhere.
1: I know it's true. Bruises that take six months to go away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but,
0: that's the thus thus the intergalactic thing bob.
1: I'm here for I mean this is trash podcast content because no one can see anything we're talking about. But listeners.
0: Yeah, I have a, I, I got a gem star on my forehead. I'm rocking <laughs> the um gem star on the forehead. Yeah. Um I, my neighbor looked over the fence and went, Whoa, you look <laughs> like you're an extraterrestrial. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was going for. I said I d I don't look like a hippie because they're quite close. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 not at all. It's very intergalactic.
1: That's perfect. It's some sci fi energy. It's almost (laughs) got like a bit of like Sailor Moon tiara too, which I'm really supportive of. (laughs) And there's also a cello in the background. Do you play cello?
0: No, no, that's that. That is Dylan's double bass. Oh, nice. It looks like a cello, but it's far away. It's very much bigger than a cello.
1: My apologies to the- uh, It's pretty cool. It's really cool.
0: Very messy in here.
1: No, I like it. Please, I've got a, you know, this is what I'm bringing to the table. So here we are.
0: I do notice sometimes on Zoom, people have these fancy backdrops where, um, you know, they they just put it digitally and you can kind Mm -hmm. of see the bleed of their body into the (laughs) fake
1: background. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It's duplicitous when it looks like, like if you're in outer space, great. But if it looks like a nicer condo than you have- (laughs) Mm, no 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 none of that um yeah i have the
0: dirty condo background
1: (laughs) that's right it's a choice i love that uh so maybe that is the perfect segue stuck in because you know sometimes we see reality and Mm -hmm. sometimes we see a dirty condo background something someone has manipulated to trick us into thinking something that is not true
0: sure happens all the time i mean ever more frequently now with all the acts?
1: That are all owned by Zoom? All Zoom Zoom. Zoom your Zoom? You Zoom? <laughs> that's Zoom. right. All Zoom Zoom. And we know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Zoom is making us queer. Because now looking back, we know all of this trickery was leading us into, you know, this path of, um, of so many, of depravity, of intergalactic depravity, if I may? <laughs> the black <laughs> hole. I know, the black hole. What a perfect metaphor. So that's why I've <laughs> invited you here, Sokin, because I want to give you... And your double base, the opportunity to point the finger of blame once and for all at who and or what made you queer.
0: Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny. Because like your backdrop. Yeah. You have a flag with a ghost on it that says anxiety, Uh um, a pendant.
1: And then also,
0: um, also you have what looks to me to be some sort of like in the at the hospital. You have room (laughs) dividers with curtains. Yeah. And so I'm
1: sending mixed signals.
0: I mean, that plus the name of the podcast with its accusatory tinge <laughs> and then the surgical hospital room divider come Roman Catholic
1: confessional booth. Oh, my God. I feel really seen. I know. <laughs> it's vivid. It's, it's all, yeah.
0: um, you know. Maison Seine, which you've got in abundance, Trevor, with your bald head covered with bruises.
1: I mean, bless you for just painting this verbal character of me. That's right. Think of me as a medical professional. <laughs> oh, no. Slash uh, priest. Yes. Slash. Yeah. the que- and <laughs> the queerest of all those varieties who wants to give you a platform to prescribe something to me. Oh, God. Okay. we yeah. Will do. <laughs> So what is it? What made you queer? Are, is it me? Are you blaming me? Yes, you. <laughs> you invited
0: I... me. You invited me to this podcast. It's that's your true. fault, Trevor. I'll
1: take. I'll take the hit.
0: Um, what made me queer? God, that's a very expansive, huge, huge, huge question. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, don't, I can't, I don't. I mean, I, I first and foremost probably television
1: at large.
0: Yeah, like I, I grew up a tv addict as a child Mm. a very very strict family in a tiny little town at the foot of a mountain in north vancouver called Mm. lynn valley Mm. and um you know we were we were i was like the only chinese kid within the radius of like several miles me and bev wong and my sisters bev lived up the street
1: shout out bev wong
0: yeah and bev i'm pretty sure it was gay as well wow so i you know and then i had just my sisters like a family of four girls yeah and um a very extremely dominant mom and very gentle-hearted dad and very strict mom so we weren't allowed out at all so i spent a lot of time either well i was a competitive swimmer so i either spent time in the pool and that's a whole other world too
1: i mean that i bet some of it that
0: totally makes you queer come on
1: are you kidding? As soon as you have Lycra in the mix, it's game over.
0: It's As soon as you have like an abundance of, you know, girls in a shower room, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, every day from four to seven in the morning and then from four to seven at night that same day working out
1: peak queer times
0: queer times and like (laughs) uh a tile wall yeah you know a tile wall where you measure your breast size and show everybody how your breasts are going according to how many tiles are i mean it's a recipe wait wait
1: wait how dare you try and skip past that because that's not like you you know there i had an equivalent where you know the the locker room all that stuff was very yeah it's a locker room yeah taboo sexually charged but would you so you'd stand with your chest against the tiles to see how your boobs are going so
0: what happened what happened so like i was way too shy for this i would be it was like the girls would and and my best stroke was breaststroke okay well it's
1: convenient to this story
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, but I was my other times like I had like the fastest 13 or 14 year old girl time <laughs> yes. for 200 breaststroke and then the second fastest for 100, which wow. made me push me up to have to work out with the older people, like the teenagers, not the wow. tweens. Yeah. And so I was kind of already shy. And so I was more like a, an observer. So most of the older teen people the girls young mm. women would be in the changing room there would be these tiny little tiles and they would measure their breasts to see how big they're growing <laughs> lots of feeling observing organizing you know uh studying yeah um and of course you know when you're swimming backstroke you know and you got those tight lycra swimsuits i remember seeing you know Girl, uh, girls' boobs pop out. It's very exciting, right? Um, You know the backstroke during the backstroke.
1: Yeah, and Um, also it's funny because, like, you know, especially at that time, maybe, and that you know little town you were living in because there's no not only not acknowledgement of queerness but no knowledge at all of queerness so those moments that are so sexually charged for a queer yeah. person they're just like could you imagine that well i mean you were there but i mean, I mean
0: and the funny thing it they, was like
1: it just didn't even wasn't on the radar it
0: wasn't it wasn't on the radar but you know the the two people who were watching from the distance
1: yeah
0: us, me and pearl
1: Oh, was Pearl also queer?
0: Yes, Pearl was okay. very most definitely yeah. queer.
1: It's the people who go a bit too <laughs> quiet in those moments where they're like, I'm trying to record this for my brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, then, and then couple that with this really um, disturbing ritual that whenever there was a person's birthday, say if it was a girl's birthday, they would get the guys to line up to kiss the girl. And then vice versa, it was a guy's birthday. It would get the girls to lunch And that was always horrifying to me.
1: So the birthday person got to kiss everyone of the opposite sex?
0: Yes. So they had this
1: ritual.
0: (laughs) And it was really traumatizing. (laughs) Yeah. It was more traumatizing than, um, you know, when they forced you to do uh, polka dancing or whatever, or square dancing.
1: Yeah, square dancing. We did Achy Breaky Heart, Billy Ray Cyrus it was uncomfortable
0: very uncomfortable yeah so i bl- part of that that's that's definitely there but also television like i think yeah. like i was a tv addict so i spent either my time in the swimming pool or watching tv and when i grew up there was just like anything went on tv it was just like there would be cartoons kids shows and then suddenly Roman Plansky's Repulsion with Catherine <laughs> Deneuve, you know, an aggravated, beautiful woman stuck in a house, murdering everybody who comes by her house.
1: And this would like follow Scooby Doo.
0: Yeah, but that would be, uh, you know, after a while, it was more interesting to watch that than Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Gilligan's Island was my favorite show, it was on repeats. And Gilligan's Island was totally a queer island.
1: Did you ever watch that? Oh, oh yeah. I watched that big time. That's really interesting because something about that is really queer for me. Certainly because, like, I, you know, I saw myself as a bit of a Gilligan. In reality, <laughs> I was more of like a low-rent professor. But what are you going to do? But Gilligan was this sort of asexual, <laughs> like, um, th- this person who, like you said, like the Pearls and the Yous and the Bevs who sort of existed on the periphery of situations and would watch them but was never... Like Gilligan didn't have a partner. That was a queer character. I,
0: I mean, uh, if all of them were queer. There's something happening between Skipper and Gilligan. Yeah. Also, the professor, he was the most quote unquote handsome dude on the island. Uh-huh. And there's Ginger, who's like a super babe, like yeah. total babe, total lusty babe. There were episodes where she comes on to the professor, who is, it's like bouncing off his head. He's completely You're right. disinterested. All right. he's interested in is his is tubes, his test tubes. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, he was not interested at all. And then, that's uh, true. And then Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Mr. Howell. Who
1: were not having sex.
0: Ne- they slept, s- slept in separate rooms, separate yeah. huts.
1: Were they? Yeah, and like
0: Mr. Howell definitely was gay.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point because there wasn't, he was there like, was a lot of flirtation story arcs, but no one ever hit it.
0: No, never. Never.
1: So who so let's go there. Who'd you rather on Gilligan's Island took in? What do you
0: mean? Who's your rather?
1: like like who'd you rather? Like who who's your number one you want to grab a smooch? You want if it was your oh, birthday. Well ginger, obviously okay.
0: ginger come on Well, I
1: don't know. Some maybe Marianne. She's no, got to I mean, win some Marianne, charms. I
0: mean the only the only time I was attracted to Marianne was when the coconut fell on her head and she thought she was ginger for an episode. She <laughs> behaved like ginger. Then <laughs> Marianne was <Okay>. hot.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you like a showgirl.
0: Yeah definitely okay and um so to that and also um yeah repulsion um wow. romeplasty's repulsion and i um,
1: mean that's a tonal shift you should <laughs> <yeah>. acknowledge
0: <laughs> and this is all like in my eight-year-old mind
1: whoa um yeah how does an eight-year-old process revulsion
0: I found it very interesting. At first, I was like, I saw, I, I, was flipping through the channels and I saw these rotting dead rabbit corpses, gold maggots. And I was like, hey, yeah, <laughs> pass that quick. But I was like, what was going on there? What? Right. So I found myself kind of returning, cat, going past all the cartoons and kids stuff and planting until I just was like, I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty amazing to think about because, you know, it's it's a portrait of a woman's. Um, deterioration of mind and um essentially how uh she uh is being sexually um overwhelmed and assaulted by the world around her and then she kills everyone Right. Who come, you know so she kind of it, it, it made absolute sense once i got got past the rotting bunnies yeah i could completely understand the problem that this woman was experiencing and feel a great deal of compassion for her
1: right because it sounded like what you've alluded to you were as a child feeling pretty overwhelmed too so that was familiar territory
0: yeah i mean every kid feels overwhelmed but i mean that's fair even like the idea of queer i feel is just a natural disposition like i feel that so much of the sort of gender and orientation and sexuality is are these sort of like we're sort of born perfect before language. Mm. And then we sort of learn all of the sort of um, societal conformities or rules that kind of bring us ties to language, but we're, we're much more fluid. And even that word fluid is used a lot these days. We're much way kind of like more expansive. Mm. So I feel like just being born, um, you know, like there are four, four girls in my family. And I remember just feeling very identified as a boy. And um,
1: within your family or within yourself?
0: Within my family and within okay. myself.
1: Well, you were an athlete too, I suppose.
0: I was an athlete. I was a jock. Yeah. And there was just one day where we were all in the blueberry fields, picking blueberries. And I was wearing a dress that was made of polyester, of course. And it was very <laughs> suffocating, suffocating. And I took my shirt off. And I and I ran free through <laughs> the blueberry fields. Yeah. And I I said to my family that was the day where the first day where I said to my parents um, that I'm Mark and to please call me Mark. Oh wow. And and they were only too delighted because they had four <laughs> daughters and my dad was raised. They were like great. My dad was an orphan. His parents, these folks, died and he was raised by very two very bossy sisters,
1: older sisters. Okay.
0: You know, and then he had a very domineering wife and then four daughters. He was yeah. surrounded by women. So he was only too happy to have a son. And they would call me Mark. And, you know, I it was at that point also around that, around that period of time where I blew a bubble and the gum went all over my hair. And I just always had really short haircuts. <laughs> and so in my tiny little town, I would yeah. go to the... uh the hardware store, and they would give suckers to all the kids. And they would always say to me, there you go, son. And um, I was constantly um, called son and Mark uh, in my family. And so, you know, there was a period of time where this was my identity. And it just seemed very natural to me.
1: It Um, sounds really positive, too, like very for your family structure, which was a bit strict to be so affirmed by like, yes, we'll call you Mark.
0: They were so pleased. They were so happy to do so.
1: That's great. My parents were
0: really thrilled. Hmm. Yeah. And in terms of uh, sexuality, I mean, my earliest recollections were big crushes on on girls.
1: Yeah. Like any any celeb stick out? Or were these local no, girls?
0: No. These were girls in my class.
1: Did you ever go for Bev and Pearl?
0: No. No, I didn't. No. I, I, the, they're more my buds.
1: Yeah. Too close to home.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> there was this one really fun. I mean, there's a sort of bi- biological um thing like girls in grades 1 and 2, 3 up until grade 4 mm-hmm. were massive. Like they were way bigger than the boys. Wow. Physically we would we could pound them out like we were actually very much bigger. I think the 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 growth spur.
1: Interesting. So yeah,
0: it seemed like an almost like an Amazonian world
1: that I lived in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Especially because you were doing things with older girls who had definitely matured faster, like through swimming. Like you were, you were just part of that mix. Yeah, yeah. And I do remember that too because I was a bit of a late bloomer and I was very short. Now I'm tall. Yeah. It would have been useful if I was short when I had no hair, but I remember. A, it's like in the grade, maybe grade four or grade five, is where there's a real diversity, where there's like yeah. someone who looks six years old and someone who looks twenty five.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, and sisters <since> <laughs> legs crossed. It's like wow.
1: Yeah, like what's going on? <laughs> totally.
0: So that early time, I mean, it just seemed most natural to be romantically interested in girls, spe- yeah. specifically Denise Miles. She was like a really fucking cool, cool chick. Like she was like. So awesome. She lived up the street.
1: Paint the picture.
0: Well, she had feathered hair.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) This was the 80s?
0: This is like the 80s, yes. Okay, great. Or late 70s, early 80s. Um, Mm -hmm. She lived up in the apartments that were kind of off limits to me um, because it was like, Rowdy people lived in the apartments, according to my mom. My mom had Mm. very rigid societal views. It was like the rowdy people lived up. But anyway, Mm -hmm. she came from like a broken home, raised by her mom and her older sister. And um, she was very beautiful and very warm hearted. And, Mm. you know, you'd think that she would be a bitch because she was was beautiful and kind of like um, super popular, but Mm -hmm. she never made fun of anyone and always loved everybody. Like, she was really cool. How could you not have a so great?
1: How much older Um, than you was she? No,
0: she was my same grade.
1: Oh, oh.
0: She was kind of the leader of our girl gang.
1: I love that. And also the fact that she was, I mean, maybe tell me if you're the same. When someone's a little bit taboo, like careful about her, she's a bit wild or whatever. Instantly, the attraction triples.
0: Yeah, but I mean, she herself was she was a saint like mm. there were kids there were kids who were obviously like nandy o'neill kevin bland well very
1: so is dropping names <laughs> if any of you listen <laughs> so
0: many people were um picked on mm. you know these would be the total bully kids and denise would have their back line and And she was also really nice to me. And I was part of her gang. There were a bunch of girls in our gang. I I was the one who came from the strict family. So I could not drink Jack Daniels or sniff glue with the other girls (laughs) in the creek behind the school, in elementary school. My job was to look after. I know I was raised in a kind of like Harmony Korean world.
1: (laughs) Wait, Um, sniffing glue?
0: Yeah. LePage's rubber cement. There was a period in, you know, it was around grade six. You must've been like 11. Mm-hmm. that people started to my girl gang started to like sniff glue and drink jack daniels in this incredible like i lived in a rainforest there was a creek behind the school that was like a rainforest amazing. and we'd go go down there and people would get high but i didn't get high because i knew that my mom would be able to tell right so i couldn't she had a pretty much a sonar detected in her head
1: that would. <laughs> if you had been anywhere near a glue stick or that rubber or cement the, or
0: the mall or anything like that she knew
1: oh no and
0: so i my job was to take care of everybody yeah so, of course, you know, I developed a crush on Denise Miles. I knew that it was taboo to say so. Mm-hmm. I know that. But I wrote on the, I went inside the bathroom and I wrote on the bathroom door, you know, you're sitting on the toilet and you oh, look yeah. at the door and it was I love Denise Miles in a big part. And you were 11? Yeah. I mean, this would have been nine or 10. Yes. Like throughout, throughout elementary school. Wow. Um, and I knew that it was taboo. I knew that I couldn't speak and say that to people, mm. um, but I knew that every single girl would be sitting on that toilet and be able to see that and go, wow, somebody's, you know, somebody's declared their love, romantic love.
1: So it was kind of an outlet for you where you're like, I can't say this out loud, but I have to communicate this. Yeah. And this is my canvas as an <laughs> yeah. eight or nine year old. Yeah, yeah, this is my platform. There was no social media. <laughs> we no. wrote things on walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Do you think she ever read it? She must have.
0: Probably. Yeah. Yeah, And probably so everyone had a crush on her.
1: Please, I mean, she sounds amazing.
0: Very amazing. Very, very cool.
1: But nothing ever, ever came to a head with Denise Miles.
0: Sadly, no. I mean, okay. I was kind of. Yeah, I mean, we were close, but not It wasn't like I was in Monica Petrini was her her best bestie and Susan Thomas.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone pairs off. But did Denise or any of those other girls were they on the swim team or swim team? No, was no, swim cru- team
0: was this whole other world. That was a very isolated oh, world.
1: Because imagine Denise doing the tile boob measure, <laughs> yeah. you would have blown your mind.
0: <laughs> and then, I, but then you know, I I wasn't always Mark. I moved in and out of Mark. Hmm. I moved in and out of crushes with girls. Then I developed the crushes on boys. Uh, fast forward now, it's really hard for me to say what I am. I mean, queer is the best kind of, the best kind of moniker. I mean, I've, I've spent years where I've been asexual, um, Mm. I'm bisexual. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I I was talking with with my friend the other day and it was like, shouldn't bisexuality just be the default setting?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. You think if we're going to assume anything. Yeah. Now, did you, because sometimes I've spoken to some, you know, pansexual or bisexual folks who... It took them a little longer sometimes to kind of figure out who they were or what they liked because they also liked sort of the heteronormative or they could appreciate sort of heteronormative sexuality as well. So did it crystallize in your mind at that age, too, like I'm different or was it just I don't know. What did it feel like?
0: I think initially it felt extremely um, right and the way it is. I never felt I never felt strange or other until I started to notice how other people behaved and how they were pairing off and how it was usually girls and boys and very rarely girls and girls or boys and boys yeah so I I mean kids pick up social norms pretty fast yeah and even just like I remember seeing a documentary an Australian documentary on gender roles from decades ago Uh. and it was like they take a teacup And, you know, a teacup and a porcelain teacup and say to, you know, kids, you know, is this a girl's cup or a boy's cup? Oh, it's a girl's cup. They take that same teacup and put like spikes all over it. And they're like, is it a girl, a boy's, you know, and even parents who who tried to like raise their children in kind of like alternative settings found that their children would be indoctrinated, even if in spite of all their care, they would be indoctrinated by media or whatever, fill in the blank of hang, hang out with kids. So we all pick up because we're animals and we you know all see who's following what so i of course by the time i was nine i knew it was taboo i knew i couldn't declare my love for denise
1: in the field (laughs) but man that's so interesting and so you know one of i guess the challenges we continue to face you just in the field this free formed creature who was like i'm taking off my dress Here's the name I've chosen for myself. Thank you very much. Like, you know, it's not it's not precociousness. It's a sense of self-understanding that if left uninterrupted is like, no, this is fully formed. Just get out of the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I love that for you.
0: Something, you know, in once we dive into society, learn language, learn all the rules of engagement, it can really bent you out of shape. You know, I often think about everything. Like uh, why is it that we do that? Why do we I'm looking at a picture, why do we put it in a frame? Yeah. You know, what yeah. so many things that we're we're given. So I think I think I think humans are pretty rudimentary creatures and we we are at the same time very expansive. I think that um much of the sort of labels and even our ability to communicate through language, I love words and I love the the fact that we're able to communicate right now, but there's so much more here. There's so much more that we can experience. You made me queer.
1: You made me queer. We'll be right back. And now back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer. And I think, I mean, this makes sense why you are such a multi-hyphenate because it's like words or whatever language, you know, music or this or that. It's like, yeah, this can only say... So much. Mm. And I have more to say. And I think if I can tie this back, this also goes back to revulsion, because Mm. it's this thing. And I think it's something queer people have in common where, you know, we are drawn to things that maybe um, are not age appropriate, or quote, unquote, gender appropriate, whatever that means. Mm. And as a result of like seeing something we relate to in that we From a very early age, we're doing a lot of sense making where it's not just like, tell me what this is in this world. It's like I'm eight and something about Catherine Deneuve losing her mind in revulsion Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's another really amazing um, movie that I saw as a child on TV. It was called Mm. Goodbye, Charlie. I don't know it. Very weird movie. Um, It it was uh, directed by Vincent Minnelli. Mm. And um, it's a, it's, it stars Tony Curtis and Debbie Reynolds. And Debbie Reynolds begins, um, she's a woman walking, she's completely disheveled. She's walking down a highway median naked, naked, and, and, and then somebody comes and like, what, what? she's very disoriented. They're like, what the fuck's going on? And then somebody encounters her, puts a raincoat over her. We realize when she talks, she's got a, a very gruff man's voice. And she is the reincarnation of a very grouchy former man who died. Wow. And she comes back to Earth reincarnated as this super deluxe babe.
1: <laughs> and she
0: has to navigate the world. Um, Re-meets, Charlie meets his best friend, who is Tony Curtis. Yeah. But in the shape of Debbie Reynolds. And um, there's a kind of like sexual tension between those two friends is debbie is charlie with tony who's george yeah uh, it, it's it was uh it's a comedy and it it's it's very it, very interesting and surreal and super 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 queer
1: that's really interesting and i love that like the i think that's sort of the proto way in contemporary art we've explored that idea like the tootsie phenomenon where it's like you know with um Justin hoffman it's like okay whether you know whether it be in this movie where you're reincarnated into a different gender role or you just dress up that way and then you still experience these attractions and these interests and these kinships and it's like yeah when we can start to think outside of just here's my body and here's or what here's my quote-unquote orientation yeah that that is the way where it's like yeah everyone gets this straight people get this you know quote-unquote everyone understands attraction is so much more than we allow it to be like you said the limitations we place on it but we have to do it through naked women wandering highways because we're too scared to just you know do it ourselves
0: yeah i mean it's such a strange film too because like charlie was a womanizer when he was a man Uh uh-huh and then he's a babe and he he gets completely hit on by other womanizers and (laughs) has to experience what that is like
1: yeah does he learn a valuable lesson about you know uh Misogyny.
0: Yes, he does. Great. And then, and then he ends up. And then the only way that they can really actually culminate the romance between Debbie Reynolds as Charlie and George Tony Curtis is then Charlie dies again as Debbie Reynolds and comes back as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then Debbie Reynolds pops back as as a female, and then it gets it on with George. So it's very very weird.
1: Whoa. Um. So he ends the movie as a dog. He does. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it,
0: was supposed, it was supposed to be just like a crazy hijinks, you know, mainstream comedy. And yet yeah. when you watch it, I remember just being like, wow, this is super interesting. You know, what was going on with the fluctuations of identity and sexuality. And yeah, yeah it was really cool.
1: But I think that is something like to, that dog whistles to <laughs> queer folks where you are able to extend that to oh yeah what an interesting uh you know artistic statement about um identity versus the body or gender expression blah 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 whereas most folks just go to it and they're like that was funny did you see the dog like you know it doesn't (laughs) speak to maybe the heteronormative folks in the same way
0: yeah it's true yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember that. I remember really weird movies as a kid that spoke to me. There was definitely like the cult-related section. Like I saw *Helter Skelter* on TBS oh, yeah. as like a nine-year-old, <laughs> and was just like, "Wow, what is happening there?" And another big one was uh, *Welcome to the Dollhouse*. Todd Solondz, *Welcome to the Dollhouse*. Yeah. Which is just like people. People when there's one person, whether they're an alien or whatever, we're like, "You're a- separate from the world." I understand what that's like.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah, people, marginalized people. You know, if you're the only Chinese kid within, you know, the whole area. Yeah. Or even like, like my my family was pretty strange, and my mom was, uh, you know, she suffered a a, a number of mental uh, discomforts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just really stood out. Um, my mom was really a powerhouse, and she um, let her let her mental stuff out very much out. Mm-hmm. And, and just arguably as a woman you're, you're having to read the signs all the time yeah to kind of figure out stuff to and and, and existence or I, this i think a tendency toward philosophy or you know self reflection societal reflection that's all part of the queer terrain
1: totally right uh, and initially maybe as a survival mechanism and then after because it's kind of fun especially if you go into the arts like, yeah god forbid yeah, he's True. like, finally, your canvas has expanded past the bathroom stall.
0: Yeah, no, it was very, very uh, wonderful. I mean, um, I, I left home when I was 15 and was quickly taken under wing by an arts community in, in Vancouver. Um, mm-hmm. A big part of my world was a queer community. Uh, mm-hmm. I lived um, in a row house in Chinatown in Strathcona in Vancouver and um, was really taken under wing by a group of um, artists and lesbians who were my parents essentially who helped to raise me um and very very good very very loving community
1: i love that and i love as a group marker artists and lesbians (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's who's in this house (laughs) so was this the first time that you had met people who were out
0: um yeah probably around that time yeah yeah
1: and did that did that would it feel like a natural fit was there was there any speed bump in that process
0: It felt like a very natural fit. I mean, I, when I think back on it, I can't, I can't really feel any bumps to that. That's great. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it it just felt very natural. And anytime that I was with a woman, it has felt very natural. I remember seeing taxi to the John. Um, it was a German movie, extremely graphic. Mm -hmm. And I think I must've been like maybe 14 or so 15 um, when I saw it at a, at a repertory cinema and it was like very I, the, the first time that I had seen Graphic Sex Between Men
1: yeah. and I remember
0: wow, holy smokes.
1: It's called Welcome to the John? Taxi to taxi the John? To,
0: taxi to the John. Okay. <laughs> it's, a germ, it's, a, it's a German film.
1: Amazing. Did your lesbians and artists take you there?
0: No, no, no. I was just a repertory geek kid. Yes. I pretty much uh, got my education from TV and then when I moved out I would just soak in so many movies i would go yeah. to like double bills every day and back then in vancouver there was like um european and art house cinema uh films from all over the world would play at these these uh theaters and you know that was one of them from from germany um the this the scene that i uh found myself in the arts community was extremely vibrant And so, you know, I came from a very strict family when I moved and ran away at 15 that coincided with my, my parents' breakup. Hmm. Um, I pretty much went the opposite way. So suddenly I was like, without any rules, uh, (laughs) you know, transferred to a new school, found that very boring, um, really was able to. Uh, take art classes and video classes and drama classes for the first time in my life um, and but I did still feel that uh, the you know this is school was a large babysitting service and then I kind of <laughs> got yeah. very I, I started to go to shows um, and um, started to make art uh, on my own outside of school um, the the class of school was very conventional they would just want us to paint like still lifes but I yeah. just had a lot of um a lot of feeling inside me and all i would do is like finger painting exploding heads and
1: stuff like that and And they're like hmm yeah i'm sure (laughs) your art teacher's like i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not (laughs) touching anything here but that's interesting because i do i talk to a lot of artists and it sounds like it might be similar for you where you're the queer awakening and the artistic awakening i mean you lived you you said artists and lesbians yeah it's like the sort of it was a simultaneous birth for you is yeah. that right yeah
0: i mean it was it was it was uh in vancouver and this is before vancouver became unaffordable to live in there was <laughs> just a lot of a lot of squatting a lot mm-hmm. of politics a lot of activism a lot of uh dancers poets writers punks musicians yeah. all in a weird melange together and we didn't have places to play so we set up in like abandoned spaces mm-hmm. or you know rent out halls so it was a very lively and exciting community um mm-hmm. I I went I got I was sort of my introduction to that was um there was this uh play um about teen suicide in Vancouver and I had this bright idea that I would go there with a bunch of my drawings and see if they would take my drawings of exploding heads <laughs> and the curator was like yes we love this and that was my first art show
1: Wow. So they put them up in the theater?
0: Yeah, yeah, in the lobby. And she was in a band that was part of the sort of punk, um, post-punk scene. Mm -hmm. And she had this house that we called The Ranch. And tons of people would just show up and, like, make shit and do yeah. stuff and t- have really interesting conversations and all kinds of really cool stuff happened there. And mm-hmm. she was my first love. Uh, I have She was the first person that I had, um, you know, uh, first woman that I had a sexual relationship wow. with. So, you know, that kind of world was very, it just seemed very, it just tumbled into that. And yeah. the theme was extremely queer, it was straight, it was anarch- anarchic, it was mm-hmm. all things it was it was uh, dangerous and exciting and supportive and and political Mm. and to me that just seemed like that was way more interesting to me than school
1: i mean no no question uh, And, and that's interesting too to go back to that language idea in the sense of like figuring out who you are deduction versus induction where like Even your art making, you were like, here's what I do. I don't know, find a, I don't even know what venues this goes to. You find a place for it. You figure out what this is. It wasn't like, I'm going to do this, or like the Canada Council grant needs me to do this. God, no, no. No, you were, you started from the back and worked your way in.
0: Yeah, and it was always from a place of feeling like this is my community, and feeling Mm, like there is a great deal of acceptance, and a feeling of, real kind of love of the uh, people really they, they weren't playing in cover bands you yeah. know the the worst thing you could do is play somebody else's song but they wanted to <laughs> we wanted to see personal expression totally. and this crossed off it it informed everything in my um community there was a, there was a record label called modemu mm. um and and again completely queer um and that was mm. just it, it was just a given you never mm-hmm. questioned it and, and some of the best Best bands were, were part of the Modamu la- label. Um, there, you know, it, it, there was this one band called Industrial Waistband. It was just a lot of <laughs> lesbian separatists on atonal keyboards, like shouting, yep. and Correct. it was like yes, so <laughs> yes. great. Um, and th- there was a lot of direct action at that time too. There was a lot mm-hmm. of like, um, um, there was a lot of anger towards, uh, you know. The, uh, you know, corporate mentality and um there and, and to a point of anarchic behavior of blowing up substations. And and people, you know, th- these this was a sort of tangential wing of this larger community as well. Yeah. Some yeah. of whom went to jail for their stuff. I mean, but it was all kind of this really intense and wonderful kind of world of exploration. I was so lucky to fall into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, such a beautiful place to be as an artist, especially when you're at an age or a place in your life when you're willing to take chances. And even if you think you know who you are, you're willing to be proven wrong, maybe. You're willing to try to be like someone else and in a really nice, authentic way. I've been a part of some pretty weirdo uh, arts communities over the course of my life. And it's funny because almost the taboo is to be too normy. So they're like, if you're not up for some weird sort of queer substation thievery adventure it's like what's wrong with you <laughs> yeah and <laughs> it's the flip
0: and then we sh- we we fast forward to short bus
1: where i mean to be I feel we may have skipped one or two things but let's go right to <laughs> short bus i'm into it
0: i mean then it, then everyone's you know really um I, I mean as a person who has heterosexual relationships as well i was considered exotic mm. you know it was like I was. Whoa, that's so interesting. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> right.
0: I was the very the the, the person. Whoa, wow. Um. So. How do you do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I think it's um I think it's very fortunate that I stumbled into that world um in my it, it, entirely as much as coming from incredibly difficult and a family full of upheaval being, you know, first generation Chinese Canadian and and all of that stuff that went with that. Mm -hmm. Um, then also finding my way to a family that was, um, so accepting and loving and also, um, outsiders, you know, was, um, was, was great because we all were, we were all all insiders as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You flipped it. Yeah, what, totally. I mean, what a what a beautiful uh, button to put on that. So let's quickly circle back through because I want to make sure, you know, from a litigation standpoint, everyone gets their due. Uh, the first thing we had was, I think, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah. We, we had Repulsion. We had... Goodbye,
0: Charlie. We had goodbye, goodbye, Charlie. Yes, Goodbye,
1: Charlie. That's all TV. Denise Miles. Denise Miles. Bathroom. Bathroom tiles as sort of a, a puberty measuring system
0: yeah uh breast measuring system and then also Mm. bathroom door where i wrote graffiti
1: yeah and then we have like an errant boop pop from a lycra swimsuit
0: (laughs) we have we have mark my boy self
1: oh yes oh my god i love i love mark in the blueberry fields really into (laughs) that as a, a film you should produce in the future Yes, And then we go to lesbians and artists. No one else in the row house in Strathcoma. Was the row house yeah. in Strathcoma? Okay.
0: Yeah, on Hawks Avenue. Um and also there's that's where I met Brian Youngen. Do you know Brian Youngen? He's um no. he's a, one of Canada's greatest artists. He's indigenous. I forget which nation he's from in BC. Um he's the guy that took um Nike runners that were his mm-hmm. tribal colors and made these incredible masks out of uh, altered um nike uh running shoes oh, he had so a, cool. a huge ex, uh exhibit a few years ago anyway you know brian and i were, were eating, we eating we were impoverished people you know he was my mm-hmm. neighbor and we were eating hand to mouth and now he's like one of canada's most celebrated artists so
1: awesome. so
0: yeah really 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 cool i'm gonna i'm gonna see him in two days
1: so exciting all right yeah. so everyone in the meantime do your brian brian Youngen.
0: Yeah, Brian. What's the name?
1: Yeah, do do your homework. Look back on that. J u n g e n. J u n g e n. Oh, it's like the J, okay. like the the German J. And then I think we hit it, and then it was maybe exploding heads as artistic yeah. expression was sort of the the button on the story. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, maybe that movie uh, Taxi to John. Taxi to John.
0: Taxi Taxi to the John.
1: Taxi to the John. Is it the John as in like John, like? like sex work john or like a bathroom the bathroom the bathroom we're going to the john yeah. and maybe there will be yeah. a john there too fantastic so thank you uh Sook-in. and before i let you go and i don't want to would you like to play a game sure great great answer there's only one really this game is called <laughs> queer queerer Queerest.
0: queer queerer Queerest. okay
1: i'm going to give you three things your job is to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why okay are you ready okay thing number one the one single frequency that a whole orchestra tunes to mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's different depending on the country or the do you
0: mean queer do so do i say queer queerest queer
1: no you keep that little secret to yourself until you've heard all three okay okay because you're going to put them in order
0: okay got yeah. it got it's, it so the one yeah. frequency that everybody tunes to in an orchestra yeah. okay
1: you got it all the instruments on the one frequency thing number two Plastic yellow floor signs. Sometimes they're for spills. Sometimes they're oh. for other things. <laughs>
0: you mean the, with their warning signs?
1: Yeah, those—they're really like heavy-duty plastic. You've seen them in airports and fast food restaurants. They're
0: not. Are they? Are they always in a sort of like rounded triangle or no?
1: Rounded triangles, an interesting shape. I—they're like a—they're like a little. Um, oh boy, like an easel. Okay,
0: uh, and so what do they usually say?
1: They might say, uh, careful, wet floor. They might say, oh, okay. caution, escalator out of service.
0: Oh, you mean, are they like stands on the floor?
1: Yeah, they're little, like okay. a little, yeah, they look yeah, like yeah, a yeah. capital A. Sure. Yeah. Okay, Known the world over as like, they're very <laughs> sort of like um, uh, aggressive warning. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Thing number three, that liminal moment when you hit yourself really hard and you don't know how much it's going to hurt. And you're just waiting to get a sense of the real pain.
0: Mm, God.
1: Yeah. So recap. Thing number one: that one frequency the whole orchestra tunes to. Thing number two: those plastic yellow floor signs. Thing number three: the liminal moment between hit and pain. Oh,
0: that's it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, least queer to most queer. Bring it.
0: Yeah. uh, So queer. They're all queer.
1: (laughs) Yes. They're all queer. I have. We both decided all those things are queer. (laughs)
0: okay let's see um (laughs) okay i would say the orchestra Mm. note is queer
1: okay that's the least queer
0: yeah that's the least queer Mm -hmm. it's very queer because i like Mm. the idea that everyone's tuning to this universal note that it Mm. it involves everybody but it's still within the western scale
1: touche you know
0: 12 bars uh, 12 notes it's still in the classical paradigm which is a little narrow. That's true. No pentatonic, no microtonal stuff.
1: Well, they could because it's just the beauty about one note is it hasn't established the scale or the chord yet.
0: Yeah, but I think that the like, I guess when you said it, I just had a, a, an image because I think orchestras do tune to that one note.
1: Yeah, you know, and trust your gut. This is about you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was just like seeing an orchestra, a classical orchestra, all like tuning up to that, you know, you see you go to there and there are all the tubas and the, everyone's like and they're tuning yeah, to that. Exactly. And so they're tuning to that one but yeah because it's in the western scale it's 12 bars it's west it's classical idiom yeah it's not necessarily incorporating you know um toinese <laughs> or microtonal yeah <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not that. Um, it's not that. So, I but, wish it was. But, but I like that idea that everybody in that pit, in the orchestra pit is tuning to that. Um, the second one is this floor size. Be careful. Oh. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> you know, like this, just, just so you know, you know, we're always kind of like navigating the world, just seeing where this, where, what, what could possibly happen.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: you know, it's avoiding... a bit, it's a bit
1: step outside, like a bit um, um sense-making, like we said.
0: Yeah, like just you know, be mindful. Just don't go over that way; you'll (laughs) you'll fall over the cliff.
1: Totally.
0: (laughs) Although it is aggressive, it is as you say. They're kind of these hard, aggressive signs. But like you know, I'm all I'm I'm all about vigilant. I'm extremely vigilant. I'm uh, hyper to a to a a fault.
1: Yeah, and also like firm direction is not necessarily combative. It can be supportive. It's just like, hey, don't fuck around. (laughs)
0: we have to navigate and it's like where's you know uh, reading the science seeing where potential trouble could be
1: i love that yeah so that makes queerest.
0: <laughs> queerest is that liminal moment <gasps> and i mean me i think why. that's very i think it's very exciting you know you you felt something oh yeah you felt something and you're not quite sure how to process what it is and then in the, in this case you're saying it's pain yeah you know um it's it's a, a a micro moment where you're not quite sure. I see this in children, too. Like when they're startled by something and then suddenly they cry. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it could go either way. Usually they cry because they see the world around them like, oh, my God.
1: Yes. They look to you for context. Like, is yeah, something wrong? Like, oh,
0: my God. Holy shit. Uh, and then they ball their head off. But yeah. there is potentiality. I like the potentiality in that moment because you haven't already deemed this as whatever it is. In this case, we say pain. Hmm. And, um, you know, what can that pain be? Does the pain necessarily have to be negative or make you cry? Right? It's sort of a wonderful moment of uncertainty.
1: I love that there's so much potential. It can be anything. It's just waiting for you to name it if you yeah. feel obliged to.
0: Yeah. And it's you're, you're, you're feeling something you're sensing and, and it's a provocative moment. We don't have enough of those moments in a day
1: i mean listen i played this game a lot of times and uh first of all i want to congratulate you on how seriously you took this exercise you really thought before we started (laughs) and i do think that if some university (laughs) administrators listening you might be awarded an honorary degree for the answer you just gave (laughs) (laughs) i'll take it yeah the caliber was high second
0: amazing i mean i I love i love that game
1: thanks hey it's mine so don't steal it So fantastic! So this game, also of course, as I already alluded to, academia—it's very serious. So let me check my rubric to see your how you score. One, two, three! <laughs> Congratulations, Sukyung! You are in fact a queer person, one hundred percent. Oh! It's, ow! It. Ow! Oh yeah! Wait! Wait for it! Is it good or bad?
0: I don't know. It's. I, it's. I don't know yet.
1: If you want to know, tune into to the next episode of You Made Me Queer. But for now, <laughs> uh, I am going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for this, Sookin.
0: Yeah, thanks, Trevor. You're awesome.
1: Hey, no, you're Wonderful. awesome. Same to you. It was my pleasure. And before I let you go, anything you want to plug?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, This Friday. Mm. Um, there's a high definition or high def screening of the 4k restoration of short bus um, that's playing at the Tiff Bell Lightbox on Friday. I'm going to do a Q and a um, with Andrew uh, from uh, inside out festival. Yes. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like on the screen. It's just been re released by um, oscilloscope laboratories Really oh, wow. awesome company in the States. And they're, I, I love the Bell Light Box. It's uh, one of the best state-of-the-art screening facilities. And it's a wonderful movie. So come on out. It's, I think re- the screening is at 7.30 around there. Check the listing uh, this Friday on June 18th.
1: Yes, please buy tickets if you can. I'm sure this is going to sell out. And even if you've already seen, especially if you've already seen Short Bus, you haven't seen 4K probably, and you haven't seen it in a while. And what a film because I've seen it several times, to experience in a theater yeah. with people. It's a oh shared my God. experience. So exciting. And Sakin's going to be there. Yeah, I'm going to be there. So get on down.
0: Answering every question.
1: Abs- uh, the, yeah, think of your questions now. Uh, you can ask <laughs> her your own queer, queer, queerest. And I want to thank you, Sakin, because I was very queer when this conversation started. And talking to you and learning about Mark and the Blueberry Fields has made me <laughs> queerer than ever. <laughs> queerest. <laughs> Yes, queerest is me. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Trevor. We'll see you later.
1: Okay, sounds good. Take care. Bye. 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 Okay, that is our show. And I think, you know, knock on wood, I can say that this is now the end of season two. Will I have maybe a one-off episode throughout the summer? Fine. Maybe. I don't know. Don't hold me to anything. But for all intents and purposes, wave season two goodbye. Thank you so much. You can email me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Even though I'm not producing new episodes necessarily over the summer, I'm always looking for your mail. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And that's it. Walk on, tiny dancer. Q credits you made me queer is created and produced by me trevor campbell our editor is sean ben Beaton. our theme song is by critty for more for music check out LavenderBruisers.bandcamp.com. our website is you made our instagram and twitter handles are at you made me queer new episodes of you made me queer come out every other thursday when we come back it's a transition and from the bottom of my big bent heart thank you so much for listening until next time remember We're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.